From the movie house to your widescreen at home, Radio 111's going to the cinema and the streaming services on Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. So grab your popcorn and beverage of choice and step into our screening room for our weekly forum on film. Now, here's Brian. Hey, welcome back. Now, as you can tell, I'm in a better mood than the last couple of weeks because I'm not as sick as I used to be. Actually, I'm not even sick at all. I've just been, you know, when you still have that cough left over. So excuse me if I cough every once in a while, but I promise it won't be straight into the microphone. But maybe that would be like more intimate, you know, maybe you'll feel like you're next to me, listening to me, because there's always that famous picture of like the person sitting next, eating food next to a like billboard of people eating food saying this is how it feels to listen to a podcast. And I'm like, I guess I can recreate that for my audience a little bit if I'm a little sick, but no, let's not get anybody sick. But hey, welcome back to... uh, Flex and picks, of course. So we're going to talk a lot about Disney today because, you know, Disney Plus Day was yesterday. And so that was like, I think that's what they also call it, the Disney Investors Day, where they talk about like uh, the latest announcements, the latest news. And they also released a movie on Disney Plus that I'm going to review today, Home Sweet Home Alone, which you're going to have to wait a little bit to see what my opinion is, because that movie, let's just say it inspires a lot of thought but not good thoughts put to put it nicely and then we're also going to talk about this movie that's been gaining some traction called runt it's been gaining traction in a lot of circles and it somehow connects to disney too it's interesting i have a lot of disney related media today in such a short amount of time it's it's crazy but i wanted to talk first about the um the big movie that's coming out this week. Uh, next week, I'm going to talk about the independent films uh, Belfast and Passing, which did come out this week, but I wanted to save those for next week. So s- stay tuned for that one. But Cl- Clifford the Big Red Dog came out um, this week. And I got to say that it- it's one of those properties where I was not surprised they ever made a movie out of it. I was just surprised by how late they made it because i always assumed that they would try to make this property earlier last decade but you know i guess they made it now but clifford the big red dog is one of those um children's book series that always kind of always resonated with me in terms of the fact that it is a good decent cute book series but i don't necessarily think it's emotionally complex like it's certainly not anywhere close to being as like in-depth or as memorable or as like meaningful as like other famous like uh children's books uh children's like picture books like definitely not a runaway bunny as i would say because that one's actually a really meaningful one and i would even say goodnight moon has some actual like literary prowess to it more so than the original clifford books not to undermine the Clifford books, because there are, there are cute series of books about a young girl named Emily Elizabeth and her relationship with her dog. And that's basically it. It's, it's just a bunch of, like, vignettes. The books are basically vignettes of, like, various moments in, these, in this girl's life with her big red dog. Like, they go to Halloween together. They, they celebrate Christmas together. Or they do stuff together. The first book is basically... This is my dog, Clifford, and this was the various hijinks that we get into. And it was a cute children's book. It was nothing 
I don't think it's anything. It was, it's a memorable children's book series. So if you have never read it, um, I'd be a little surprised because these books have been out since 1963. So I'd be a little surprised if you haven't read it. But you have encountered this books in, these books in some way or another. They are still memorable. Kids still read them. Which is weird because people like to pretend that there's this narrative that kids don't read anymore. But they do. And they read more than you. Uh, believe it or not. Uh, there's actual statistics to back that up. But we'll leave that we'll leave that be. You can try to disprove me any day of the week. But not today. But the book series was uh, written by Norman Birdwell and, you know, he passed away uh, not too far, uh, a couple years ago, more than a couple years ago. So he didn't get to see this movie, but he has seen there have been adaptations of this book series. There has been a TV show on PBS, which I rewatched a couple episodes of. And I will say it holds up pretty well. John Ritter does the voice of Clifford in that movie, in that series. I mean, and in the movie that they made of the series, which is another adaptation they made and he does such good work as Clifford that it actually surprised me that he is that he was able to escape into that role without having to be recognized because usually when they get celebrities to do voice acting you can hear their voice not John Ritter John Ritter genuinely escapes into the role of Clifford he he he's that good he's that good so if you've never seen the original PBS series um I wouldn't be as surprised because it was made in the 2000s and it is specifically a children's television series. So it is very educational oriented. Almost, almost uh, the kids learn lessons. They're valuable lessons, I guess. Some adults need to learn some of these lessons, you know, to be honest with you. There's a whole episode on tolerance that I think some adults can (laughs) benefit from, to be perfectly honest with you. But we'll leave it at that. But what about this new movie, you might say? What's what's the big deal about it? Now, Clifford the Big Red Dog, as a movie... Well, I'll just tell you the plot real quick. It's basically Emily Elizabeth, this girl who's like a social outcast. She's poorer than her other friends at the academy that she goes to. She goes to this uh, private school, and she's the poor um, scholarship girl. Excuse me, the poor scholarship girl who uh, uh, she tries to fit in, but she obviously can't fit in. So what happens is that she eventually finds Clifford at this uh, animal rescue. She's being babysit by her uncle, who is played by Jack Whitehall, and he is uh, irresponsible. He's literally homeless, and he's basically like this, like punching bag for the movie we'll get into that later but he's basically an irresponsible person who who has to take care of emily and so the two of them adopt well he doesn't approve of it but she somehow is able to adopt the dog because the dog mysteriously shows up one evening in her bag after she encounters the dog at the at the john cleese uh, animal rescue because john cleese is the, plays the animal rescue guy and he's I swear to I swear to God, every trailer this movie has has John Cleese saying he'll be bit you know your love will make him bigger or something like that. The little girl asks, "How big will he grow?" And he says, "Depends on how much you love him," which is the cliched line that's in the books too. But some I I, I kept seeing that for the last couple of weeks when they did advertisement for this movie, and oh, let's just say that it kind of gets old. 
we'll leave it at that. But at the end of the day, so the film is basically Clifford gets big, becomes this giant apartment-sized dog, and he wrecks havoc on the town unintentionally because he's cute and he's a dog, so he doesn't know any better. But then there's this evil, mad research scientist, I don't know, scientist, I'm going to say, this mad millionaire who wants to use Clifford for his DNA to grow, artificially grow vegetables and all that. He doesn't have good intentions, no matter what the... He's, He's played by Tony Hale in the most Tony Hale performance he'll give this year, so I'll leave it at that. That's how the villain is. But overall, is Clifford any good? As I was trying to say earlier before I went into the summary, it's basically a movie written by four, three people. So it's written by three screenwriters, and I don't know who it is, Jay Shrek, David Run, and Blaze Hemingway. I don't know which one of these three is the one that cared, because the other two don't care. This movie has these jokes in it that are so out of place in a Clifford narrative. Like, if you've read the Clifford books, they don't make these types of jokes nor do they make these jokes in the TV series for literal children. Now, this movie is like more of a family-oriented movie, but they have scenes where like Clifford pees on the... Because he's a giant dog, so he pees on a tree, and it splashes on Jack Whitehall, Whitehall's character. And Jack Whitehall's character gets like dragged all over the place, like all this slapstick that's really not funny and just genuinely not amusing. So like for me... I feel like there's all this humor in there that doesn't fit the character of Clifford, especially considering how innocent and sweet he is. It doesn't really fit the film when you have him pee on a tree and it splashes all over the place because it doesn't, because that's never been what Clifford was about. And also, in my opinion, it just wasn't funny. Like, imagine a joke. See the trailer for this movie. Imagine a joke for it. It's going to be in the movie. Every predictable joke they have, like Jack Whitehart's character saying, eating a bur- a bunch of burgers and someone saying he's eating like an animal and everyone's like well Clifford is an animal and then the joke is that it's the Jack Whitehall character eating like an animal and every predictable joke like it's literally Alvin and the Chipmunks because Jack Whitehall is literally playing the character from Alvin and the Chipmunks the dad and I gotta say it's it ain't great like it's not a great performance by jack whitehall especially considering that this is like the second time i've seen him in a movie where he gets the stuffing beat out of him and it's not funny like i don't know why he keeps i gotta talk to his agent because he needs to be in better movies because he is talented he is a talented actor i just don't understand why he keeps doing these types of movies where his character has to mug for the camera for hours it's a little embarrassing but in terms of like that one screenwriter that I'm going to be honest with you that actually cared, there are moments in the movie where it tries to have this nice little message about inclusion and like being unique and special and not having to fit into people's rigid standards of what being cool is. Because Clifford is ideally a story about that, that it is about a dog who doesn't care about how big he is, that he's just happy. Listen, like that fits that's what clifford's always been about it's always been about accepting people's uniquenesses and not trying to make them the same because not everyone is the same everyone's different and that's okay that's really the message that i think clifford's always been about so whoever wrote those scenes got a few scenes in there that try to illustrate that so this movie's not a complete disaster if anything it's a two-star movie out of four for me 
it's not a complete disaster. Like I think that there are moments in this movie where the actors really do sell it. And the Clifford animation is not perfect, but it is a cute dog. You know, it doesn't look like any of the monstrous animals from CGI animals from other movies I've seen recently. It is a cute looking dog, just looks fake a little bit. But the one screenwriter had these field clips, like towards the end where there's this scene where um, Cliff, they have to figure out a way to protect Clifford. So it involves sending Clifford away. And there's that f- that scene where Emily and Clifford have this moment together. I was like, that's that's what the movie could have been about. Instead of having Jack Whitehall get peed on, why couldn't we have moment- moments like this? And I feel like what they did was that they took the idea from the books and they wanted to go their own way. And this one screenwriter read the books and decided to throw in a few scenes. This is why I don't really encourage more than one screenwriter per movie because... It was clear that whoever wrote those scenes knew what to do with the movie and the other two people just thought we're going to throw in some pee and poo jokes for the kids and I don't think that's I don't think that's respectful towards children. I think children are actually smarter than that and I mean there's nothing wrong with pee jokes every once in a while if it fits. And those are only funny like in adult comedies to be honest with you. Children's comedies like I don't understand. I've never met a child who laughed at a dog peeing at someone's face. I don't know. I've never met one. I've never I'm I've never been that child. I've never met one. So, it is kind of a weird thing. But overall, Clifford the Big Red Dog it it could be cute for kids, but because of the one screenwriter that cared, I just wish the other screenwriters cared enough to not include dumb jokes in it. So, predictable with some nice moments. 2 stars out of 4. We'll be right back. He's been touched by an angel or two. You know, Roger Ebert, Gene Siskel, maybe even Gene Shalit. Here is Brian Mendoza talking cinema on Radio 111's Flicks and Picks. I was waiting for a cough there, but I guess I wasn't going to get one. <laughs> you know, sometimes I, you know, they say never be self-aware by your flaws on the air. But, you know, I like to be honest with my audience. I really do. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the Disney Plus news that came out. So there's some news that recently came out because it was Disney Plus Day. So essentially, it's like another way of saying that Disney and it's another Disney Investors Day where they give out big announcements. And so we're going to talk a few a little bit about a few of them on this segment because it's a short one. So why not? So X-Men 1997, the original animated series from, well, Fox back in the day, Fox Kids is coming back. That series is coming back in two years. Um, X, It's going to be called X-Men 97. And it is it looks promising from what i've seen i've seen i think i saw a photo where they showed some of the updated like images for some of the characters i'm not surprised that they're bringing back the x-men animated series because it was just it was a good animated series if you've never seen it there was a 1997 animated series that was an x-men uh that was based on the x-men comics and it was really popular because it managed to be not only faithful from a aesthetic point of view but also be genuinely a faithful comic in just every way possible it was just 
it was a good series. It was great. It certainly has some issues. Like I think looking back at it, maybe some of the women on the show needed to be written better in hindsight because we can do better now, hopefully. But they got some new writers mixed in with old writers, which I'm really happy about because I feel like a lot of times a lot of shows that are coming back like Animaniacs, you know, they certainly rely too much on new writers that the old that they it doesn't feel the same. And it doesn't feel unique enough to get out of it. So I'm, I'm glad that there's a mix here. That it can feel consistent, but it doesn't feel exactly the same. And it doesn't feel like any worse than that. So I'm excited about that one. So they showed previews for Moon Knight, which looked cool. Um, She-Hulk, uh, she which was interesting because like some people call it like Netflix Marvel. And it kind of does look a little bit like the Daredevil series. So I can kind of see it. And they also showed clips from, like, Hocus Pocus. Well, they showed a picture. They look great. And then Predator 5 is coming out with a movie called Prey, which I'm a little surprised about. Because it looked... It, it, it looks fine. It looks fine. I don't know. These, these Predator movies have never really been exceptionally great. Maybe the first one's been pretty good, but not. I never thought they were exceptional. But I'll leave it at that. But overall, they showed some new logos, and they also announced that Cheaper by the Dozen's getting a, another reboot, which is coming out in a few months, which, really? We got a reboot for Cheaper by the Dozen? Like, that's that's a little surprising because I, I don't know. I guess it's one of those movies where people, they can reboot it every once in a while, and they'll be fine. It's like The Parent Trap. You can reboot that every other decade. It's fine. I just don't really like the fact that, like, these reboots are coming out for movies that weren't that old, like, 20 years is not, I guess it is that old, huh, okay, well, maybe it's not so unreasonable, but I mean, like, come on now, like, maybe wait 30, 40 years for a movie to be rebooted, but overall, like, the MCU movies are, they looked, the the um, Marvel move, Marvel stuff, like, um miss marvel it looks fine they all look good i just want to see more you know so i'm not i'm not super surprised the star wars stuff was fine too i just didn't they just didn't release enough of it and overall disney plus had a lot of news and a lot of things it surprised me how much materials on disney plus because they have a lot of it seems instead of going direct to dvd for their sequels that a lot of times they're going direct to disney plus for their sequels which I don't know how I feel. I feel like Hocus Pocus 2 could have easily been a theatrical release. Same with, like, the Disenchanted movie, which is an Enchanted enchanted sequel. Like, why aren't those, you know, re-released? Uh, released in theaters, you know? So I'm kind of surprised that even though those two movies, you know, gained some traction in home video compared to their, like, original theatrical release... I don't think it's impossible to I, I think I think Disney Plus should borrow a little bit from the Netflix model, which is that they put them out on both services, that they put some films out on streaming, but they also put some films theatrically. Like I think it would make sense, like how sometimes Netflix puts out a movie in theaters to get that Oscar buzz. But I don't know. I'm just surprised by the fact that like I'm not surprised that Disney wants to put out these like readily available readily made like really quick films on Disney Plus to get more content for the service but I also feel like some of these movies that are sequels to theatrical release movies should have some benefit of going to the theaters I don't know 
I, I have some concerns about that, but that's just really me. But overall, it's fine. Like, the announcements were fine itself. Like, I don't know. I don't know if anybody really wanted to hear what I said about it, but no, I, I bet somebody does. But the fact is that it's it's fine. The announcements are fine, but I wish there was more enthusiasm for theatrical re theatrical releases for movies because I would love to have seen some of these movies in theaters. Considering how good they were, like Luca came out this year in, on Disney Plus, and that should have been in theaters, quite frankly. So, you know, I hope, I hope Disney you know puts a lot of these great considers putting them on a like synchronized uh, a synchronized um screening where some of them are in theaters and some of them are online day and date release basically would love to see that but hey we're gonna talk about one of the films that came out yesterday on disney plus day home sweet home alone and we'll you'll see what i have to say about it stay tuned <laughs> If you love motion pictures, you've made it to the screening room on time. Radio 111 presents Flicks and Picks with Brian Mendoza. So, you know how I said earlier that I would love to see some of these Disney Plus releases like Hocus Pocus 2 coming out in theaters because I think that, you know, since the original came out in theaters, why not put a sequel up there? You know, it doesn't. I think it doesn't hurt to put as many films in the theaters. Because I think they're they're struggling and also because, you know, I think it's just nice to see like a theatrical release and it's, but it doesn't, but it doesn't mean I always want that for every film for, that's ever had an original in theaters and that film being Home Sweet Home Alone, a truly outrageously bad movie. You know, earlier this week, I had talked to someone about, you know, my best of list is starting to grow and I'm glad that it's starting to really uh, be filled up because I, I saw movies like Spencer and I saw movies like Dune movies that are actually really great and so like I was really happy to see my list actually grow and expand to the point that I'm actually going to be a little bit worried about cutting out some films because it's like I have, I always try to do a top 10 and I always feel bad whenever I have to cut a film out and this year I, my worst films list was really small the only film I had on there was Space Jam 2 so you know that's kind of I'm not surprised that Space Jam 2 could end up being the worst film I saw last year but there is a very very close film that's going to get there and that is Home Sweet Home Alone Home Sweet Home Alone is bad and I'm not talking about just looking at the trailer it's bad no it's worse than what the trailer makes it out to be so Home, Alo so Home Sweet Home Alone is not about a kid who's stuck home alone with burglars trying to steal. In fact, it's a story about a couple who is played by Rob Delaney and Ellie Kemper who do what they can with these performances. They really do. They try their hardest. I'm going to leave it at that. <coughs> Sorry. I was going to say that they definitely... They try. They really do try. So, what... <sighs> okay, so I'm a little disappointed with this movie because in general they had an idea. It's not a great idea, but they had an idea. 
So the film itself follows the lives of this one couple who is about to lose their home. They're financially struggling. They just, they struggle so much financially that because one of them is a teacher and the other one's lost their job. So, you know, relatable stories, relatable because there are teachers out there who really do struggle to pay the bills. And there are people out there who really aren't able to find a job during the pandemic. Interesting. And you might be saying, hmm, doesn't sound so bad. It doesn't. Not so far. So basically, they have this open house and this little boy who is the little boy in the poster, the little boy with glasses played by Archie Yates. He shows up, takes something from them, and now they, hmm, and now it's something valuable, so valuable that it could actually save their home and actually be able to maintain their lives for a while. It's that valuable. So the couple decides to go back to this kid's house when he's home alone, hence the title, and steal the toy back. Oh, okay. So you might be saying it doesn't sound as bad. It doesn't that doesn't sound so bad. It sounds cliched. How do I put it this way? I don't think it's funny when your comedy takes good people and push punishes them. So if you've seen the original film, you know what happens to the burglars, right? They all go through these traps and they get hurt. They get burned alive. They get hit in the balls. They get the shit beat out of them, right? And I apologize for the language, but they get the living shit beat out of them. And that's always been a partially, not the whole thing, partially part of the popularity of why Home Alone is so of Home Alone, just why is Home Alone so popular because of those scenes too, but people forget the original Home Alone was also like this really moving, very emotionally gripping movie about a little boy who's starting to grow up and having a hard time like appreciating his own family life and all that. It's also this beautiful movie about appreciating and loving the people you're with, you know? And this new movie ha- tries to hammer that message in, but I don't believe it. I don't believe it for one second when this movie does it, but I but one of the big parts of the comedy of the original is that the bandits, the wet bandits played by Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern, they're bad people. They're genuinely terrible, awful people who want to kill Macaulay Culkin's Kevin in the original film. And so the reason why you laugh so much at their suffering is because they are bad people and you want to see them suffer. That's the one rule of comedy. You introduce a villain that's a one that this is a very important role. You introduce a villain, you make him unlikable, you don't get him to be likable, and you beat him up. And you get in his vengeance. You get get in, get uh, make him come up uh, get his comeuppance, you know? There are ways of doing this funny. That's why when you watch jokes, the joke is funnier when you punch up. So let's say you have somebody who's a murderer trying to kill you. It's funnier when you're trying to stop the murderer with weapons and traps than it is to see a movie where the murderer is beating the crap out of the victim. It's not that funny, you know. It's not that funny. So I want you to imagine Home Alone, Sweet Home Alone. So... It is a movie in which a couple is financially struggling and they're having a really hard time making ends meet and they're really starving and they're really having a hard time because of the difficulties of their family life. They might lose their home. They, quite frankly, are stressed out. There are these moments where the film really does illustrate how important, how 
stressful the holidays are for some people, that some people, financially speaking, feel so stressed during the holidays. That's pretty honest. I, I, I appreciate that movie. I do. I think that's a valuable thing to do. But really, you're going to have me watch this movie where I root for these two characters partially because the movie's not that good. Again, it's not that good. It's There's some really cringy, unfunny comedy. But the movie did successfully create two likable characters that I want to succeed. But then it fails by making this little boy out to be this horrible evil kid and this film has these scenes where it tries to recreate the original home alone with the little kid and tries to do this thing where it tries to focus on both of them first of all the film can't focus on the little kid for nothing like the little kid why is the film giving me nothing with the kid i don't know anything i don't care about him he's a terrible person like he's he's a really bratty horrible kid so imagine these two people who are financially struggling they're poor they really can't do anything about their financial situation and then they get the shit beat out of them by a little boy who's rich. So imagine that. Not only is it, the optics are bad, just the fact that we are watching a movie about two people who who are about to lose their home, getting beat up by someone in their mansion. That's not even funny, like that looks bad. Not only from a film standpoint or a comedy standpoint, but from like a social standpoint. Like this is like, I would even say this movie is anti-poor. That's how bad it is. Like I don't even wanna be mad at it because it's an incompetent movie. The other Home Alone movies, the third, fourth, and fifth movie, they're incompetent movies. I would even say the second one kind of is. But this one's especially bad because of the fact that it has this anti-poor mindset. Like, it really doesn't like the poor. I don't understand who would find this funny. Like, do you think beating up poor people is funny? Like, do you laugh on that? Because you're a psychopath if you do. And this movie certainly was made for that audience. Like, I can't imagine... Someone literally sitting there saying, I'm going to laugh at poor people's struggles and watch them get beat up by a little kid who's rich. Really? This is, it makes me mad watching this movie because it was just like, that's not funny. Like, it's not funny to do that, especially considering that, like, I think it's not only bad optics during this time, but it's also like bad optics for a Christmas movie. Because, like, imagine watching a remix of A Christmas Carol and... Ebenezer Scrooge is not the one that needs to learn a lesson. The one that needs to learn a lesson is Bob Cratchit. That, whoa, why can't you just work for non-living wage, Bob Cratchit? See? It's not that funny. See? Not, okay, it's not funny to begin with, but it's like, see? It's not, it's not, that, that wouldn't be compelling. So why would it be, why would it be compelling for me to watch poor, nice people get beat up by a kid on Home Alone? Because again, And I hate to repeat myself, Home Alone was never just about beating up people, but if there was going to be scenes of beating up people, they were funny because the bandits were bad people who were literally murderers. They would actually kill people. See, see, that's why it was funny when you saw it the first time back in 1990. So I don't know, like, and also I just think that, for example, like the scene with the mom, you know, recon- the the scenes with the mom are just, they repeat scenes from the original film in a way that's like, really? And by the way, the actor who plays Buzz in the original movies, um, Devin Rattray, he's a highlight in the sense of like, it's nice to see him again because it's nice to see Buzz come back as a character so you can get an update about him. But 
I don't know. I, I don't know how to put this, but I don't think Home Alone can really... I don't want to see any more of these movies. I don't. I don't. I, I tried seeing... I tried to see the third and fourth and fifth movie. I couldn't sit through them because I just didn't think they were good. This sixth one, I sat through it because, A, I had to review it. But seven, but second, it just wasn't... I didn't think it was going to be the worst one. I thought that, oh, because they actually have a budget this time and because like they actually put it on Disney+, Plus, they might actually have some credibility to it. And because they have a, an actual actor from Home Alone from the first Home Alone movie in it, there, it seems to have to try to get this uh, credibility, but no, I think it's it's on par or even worse than those movies because because of the fact that it's just so anti-poor and terrible. And, like, I also think that, in general, it's just not funny. And I also think that, like, Home Alone is not a premise that needs to be more than one movie. So if you want to see a, a Home Alone movie this year skip this one this one is bad it's not funny it's cringy it literally makes me cringe watching this humor but it's also like it's it just violates the rules of comedy because you can't do that to good people in comedies good people shouldn't suffer the way that these characters do and I'm, i feel tempted to spoil the movie because it's that bad but i'm not going to because i know somebody out there is going to want to watch this movie this is what i'm going to say to that person you know if you want to watch this movie the trailer looked appealing you probably would like this movie and look the idea of it which is changing the narrative from making the bandits the villains to making them sort of like the heroes could work if they were able to outwit the bratty kid but this is a movie that tries to make the kid and the bandits out to be sympathetic characters but what it does is that it actually makes the kid far more unsympathetic because I actually because actively speaking, I want to hate this kid more because the movie is trying to make me like him. No, I want to hate him more. It's actually working the opposite effect. So Home Sweet Home Alone. Terrible, op optically terrible, not funny um, kid. Uh, Archie Yates tries his best, but no, thank you. Please bring back Macaulay Culkin. In fact, this is how it is. This is a this is again another nail in the coffin, and I I'm serious. Please close the coffin. This franchise needs to die already. No more Home Alone movies. No more. We don't need any more. I'm done. And quite frankly, Rob Delaney and Ellie Camp Kemper, I mean, they need better roles. So you know, next year if you're gonna have a Christmas movie, Delaney and Kemper, give them good roles next time, please. So, this movie gets one star out of me, and I don't regret it because I hated it. Big Screen Blockbuster, Little Screen Stream, Festival Favorites, Award Show Nominees, Winners, and the Occasional Pan. This is Flicks and Picks on Radio 111. Here's Brian Mendoza. So, you're kind of going to like a Disney-related movie, but it's not really Disney-related in the sense that like it was produced by Disney or anything, but it actually was the final film to star one of Disney's more prevalent child stars of the 2010s. It was Cameron Boyce. Now, Cameron Boyce 
plays a uh, plays the character of Cal in the movie Runt. Now, Runt is a very peculiar kind of movie. It is one of those movies that is not fun to watch. And I'm not sure if I'm saying that in the way that you might think I'm saying it. Like, it's certainly not Home Alone, Sweet Home, Sweet Home Alone, like I reviewed last segment where I said it wasn't fun because it was just unpleasant to watch. Like, I don't want to see this. This is a dramatic thriller about a young boy who, you know, he has a bright future ahead of him, but he is poor. He is a more poor. He's poor. His mother is not always home there home. Uh, to take care of him so he has to kind of live on his own in a way so this little this cow he has a hard time with bullies at school these bullies at school take advantage of him because he's really smart and so they try to cheat off of his homework they try really hard to just make his life a living hell to the point that like there's even this scene where um cow try uh, where basically the idea is that Cal has such a hard time with these bullies that they get into like a minor fight and then one of the bullies really goes after him for it it's actually like a really I don't know how I don't want to spoil that scene even though that scene everyone if you've heard of this movie you know what scene I'm talking about because it's the scene that most people are trying avoiding this movie for there is a surprisingly a lot of Cameron boys fans who are Disney fans don't want to see this movie because of the fact that a it's it's a pretty hard movie to watch because it's a movie about a kid basically losing his innocence and losing his moral compass as he gets bullied and tormented and stuff and he continues to suffer throughout the whole hour and a half narrative of this movie this is a movie that's an hour and a half and it's basically it's not fun because the the whole time you feel sorry for this kid and Cameron Boyce does a really good job playing this really likable character. He has a very likable face. He's a very likable actor. So to see him get bullied and beaten and humiliated on screen is not fun to watch. But it's not meant to be fun. It's actually not meant to be a fun movie at all. It's meant to be a much more darker, more heavy film and more challenging film than it, than other types of like movies that he's made. Cameron Boyce has made movies like The Descendants. And he's made a lot of Disney fare where they're very fun, happy-go-lucky movies. And in this case, Runt is a very serious, dramatic movie about someone literally losing who he is and having to decide, does he become the monster or does he let the monsters eat him alive? It's basically about a dog-eat-dog world out there that's really trying to, like, kill you. And it is a very cliched movie in a lot of ways because there are certain things where i'm like yeah like i've seen this before like i've seen taxi driver movie like of course i've seen taxi driver i've seen movies where it's basically this kid starts off really kind and then the world just keeps on beating him down until he turns he goes a little crazy sometimes you know that sort of character arc but then the ending kind of betrays it i was watching this movie and the ending seems to be building up to one type of conclusion. If there is one thing that's really wrong with this movie, and I'm going to say it early on, the ending. I think the ending is kind of weak and it kind of is a little too celebratory. And I'm not a big fan of that. I'll leave it at that. But the rest of the movie is pretty good. I think it's well made. I think that it's well directed by William Coakley. Cameron Boyce, you know, if there's one person that's carrying this movie, it's him. He is, he is doing amazing. Cameron Boyce is a young you know, he plays this young man really brilliantly. There's a fire in his performance. Like, you really do feel sorry for him, but you also can see him go from being this, like, really innocent, 
not innocent entirely, but also like well-intentioned, nice kid to becoming like more and more unstable as this movie goes along. And it's very subtle. It's not like suddenly he snaps. It's very subtle build up to it. So when you see the ending, it's like, gee, like this is this is great because it built up to this. But there's also but then the ending itself is a little too celebratory of some of the actions. Like, let's just say the film has Cal do terrible things in the movie and the film sort of celebrates these actions in a way that's very uncritical and I feel like the movie wasn't building up to that. I don't really think the film could, is one of those types of revenge movies. I think it's one of those, like, let me put it this way. It doesn't go far enough, in my opinion. And and even if it doesn't want to go far enough, it doesn't examine itself enough. I'll leave it at that. But, you know, that final shot, if you're a Cameron Boyce fan and you want to see, like, this final performance, it is his best performance. It is worth seeing it. I do definitely think it's, like, a three-star movie. It's, I think it's visually it's a ni- it's a good looking movie it's visually nice to look at that the pacing is slow but it builds up and it's emotionally investing and Cameron Boyce gives like his best performance it's a great performance from a talent that sadly passed away because he passed away uh, in 2019 from epilepsy it's such a shame because it really showed that he could actually be able to do these types of roles and it's it's really a shame so so far, Runt is available on uh, PVOD, so you can rent it for about $4. That's my one recommendation for the week. It's a good movie. Ending's a little disappointing, but it is the best film I've seen this week. So next week, we're going to talk about Belfast, and we're going to talk about Ghostbusters Afterlife and Passing. So stay tuned for next week here on Flicks and Picks. Mm-hmm.